With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Issues that dominate America. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to State of the Nation. We are live right here on today's News Talk. TNTradio.live is the website. That's where you find all the goods. If you missed any programs, anything, any interviews that you might have missed, go to the website. We've got an episodes link up there. Also found in our fantastic mobile app. I'm Brian McLean, broadcasting out of Central Texas live today. And today I'm here with Timothy Shea sitting in for Steve Hook. Timothy, welcome to State of the Nation. Thanks so much. It's great. Going to be on with you for two hours. This is fantastic. We had a, a hit last week and it was the fastest 10 minutes of my week. So I think these two hours are going to fly by also. Absolutely. Yes, it will. It always does. It always does, my friend. Uh, let me let me kick you off with, and yeah, I'm really glad we get to do a whole two hours because that 10 minutes does fly by really fast. So uh, we've got some updates and some new stuff breaking this week for sure. Great show lined up. We've got uh, a number of really good guests. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Yosef Bashir Liz, and Liz Harrington in this first hour. So pretty excited about those two discussions coming up, Timothy. Definitely. I think that uh, both guests are going to have important things to say, especially Liz, because, you know, we keep saying we're not conspiracy theorists, Brian. We're pattern recognition experts. Okay. Yes. We can see around corners things that they say we are wearing a tinfoil hat, that we're conspiracy theorists, that we're wackadoos. 18 to 24 months later, it's acknowledged as fact. And at that point, they say, well, yeah, that yeah, that happened. That was real, but it doesn't matter. So let's move on. Right. That's their strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems to be just on. like like the dog pile. Right. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we're sorry. We canceled all you guys and, you know, ruined your your reputations for a while there during that particular news cycle. But now we're on to this one. We're on to the next big thing right now. So let's just set that aside. And it's like that basically on a daily now or hourly even whereas before this kind of conspiracy theory washout would take up years sometimes some of them we're still wrestling with like jfk it is and it's not just reputation okay this is people's livelihoods that's being impacted maga institute has been deplatformed off of x elon come on man maga underscore institute bring it back bring at Timbo Tim 62 back as well. We were deplatformed, demonetized. I'm permanently kicked off Facebook for having the temerity to show pictures of actual honest to goodness Nazis marching in the streets in Kyiv just two years ago. So, you know, they can't handle the truth. They've got to silence us. And it's having more than a reputational impact, it's having a financial impact. John Eastman, President Trump's legal advisor for the grave sin of providing legal advice to Donald Trump. They've waged lawfare against him. They're going after his bar license. It's cost him $3 million. Now, thankfully, John has the $3 million to be able to defend himself. But what about, you know, what about you or me? What about That's Steve always, Hook? 
What yeah. if they come after? What if they come after? I don't have three mil. You got you got no. three mil in the bank there, bro. No, 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 no. Uh, definitely not. It's uh, that's the big question here too. And it's like we see these stories. Like uh, Steve and I spoke with um, this man Gary not too long ago out of Florida. You've probably seen his story. Uh, his home was mm-hmm. uh, destroyed in uh, in the hurricane, and he moved on to a piece of property that he owned on uh, a bus that he owned and he had his you know his his boat there which he made all his money with and the city council uh came along and just destroyed it all took it all away and it's like where where's his where's his three million dollars to fight he's got five kids one in a wheelchair i believe or one you know one special needs kid and and four other children and it's like uh the government just comes through and destroys his livelihood literally destroys his boat that's what he feeds his family with and it's like now he has to fight for it with what he doesn't even have a home to go to right and you think the american dream is owning your own home you think you own your own home congratulations you've worked hard you've paid off your mortgage you think you own that home try not paying property taxes you don't own that home yeah yeah and 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 especially if you're under uh, situational duress like like him I mean where right. where's the 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 wide berth for Americans experiencing a hard time I mean we we pound billions of dollars into this FEMA program what do they do what have they done in in, in Lahaina what what are they doing for this guy now, it's, it's, now, it's now Hesher, you're you're being unfair man they've <laughs> built all these lovely camps around the nation for us they've already got our plastic coffin liners in place oh, yeah. ready to go you know, they're, they're just, three, they're just three wide ready. and three high in the coffins together, right? Yeah, they're just getting ready, man. Come on, give them a break. All right. <laughs> you know, they're we, working we on laugh a good because plan. if we weren't, yeah, if we weren't laughing, we'd be tearing our eyeballs out. So we might as well laugh. <laughs> what are you going to do on the way to the gallows? Have a little bit of gallows humor. All right. If you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. All you got to do is visit the episodes on the TNT radio website. We're also on all the major podcasting platforms and the live video streaming platforms. Sorry, I'm pointing at you, but I want you to know this. We are on YouTube, uh, Rumble, Odyssey, all the good ones out there. So uh, check us out on the video also. And of course, on those audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart. Tune in. There's no reason to miss out on anything on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to the U.S. military, on Sunday, two ballistic missiles were fired from Yemen toward a U.S. naval destroyer, aiding an Israeli-linked tanker that had been seized by attackers in the Gulf of Aden. Here with the story, joining us now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Adam, what's going on? I hear some uh, missiles are flying. Not surprising right now. Well, I mean, we're making every attempt to get this party started, as it were. Uh, That's what Herbori Morich would say. Um, So, yes, the U.S. Central Command CENTCOM stated on X, formerly known of Twitter, of course, that its destroyer, USS Mason, received a quote-unquote distress call from the tanker, identified as the Central Park. That's the name of this tanker uh, that it was under attack, quote, by an unknown entity End quote. Upon arrival, the USS Mason and its allied ships demanded the release of the tanker. Five armed individuals attempted to flee, but were pursued by the U.S. destroyer, resulting in their eventual surrender. CENTCOM did not identify the attackers, but said that two 
ballistic missiles were launched from Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen on early November 27th, targeting the general location of the USS Mason and Central Park. Good enough for me. The missiles landed in the Gulf of uh, is it Aden or Aden, uh, approximately 10 nautical miles away from the ships. According to CENTCOM, there was no report of damage or injuries from either vessel due to the incident. Maritime domain security is essential to regional stability. At least that's what General Michael Eric Carrilla said. That would be the CENTCOM commander uh, on a statement on X. Quote, we will continue to work with allies and partners to ensure the safety and security of international, sorry, international shipping lanes. End quote. The tanker was carrying phosphoric acid when it was seized by attackers on November 26th. The vessel's company said its 22 crew are from Bulgaria, Georgia, India, the Philippines, Russia, Turkey, and Vietnam, and they were unharmed. Um, Zodiac Maritime, uh, which is a London-based international shipping firm owned by Israeli billionaire Eyal Offers Zodiac Group, said... Quote, we would like to thank the coalition forces who responded quickly, protecting assets in the area and upholding international maritime law, end quote. They described the vessel as being owned by Klumvez Shipping Inc., though other records directly link it to uh, Zodiac Maritime as the owner. Uh, therefore, the, um, you know, Israeli link uh, affiliation, British corporate records listed two men with the last name offer uh, as current and former directors uh, of Klumvez shipping, including Daniel Guy offer, um, who's also a director at Zodiac Maritime. Uh, and at this point, gentlemen, it remains unclear who was behind the attack. Um, some might suspect or suggest it could possibly be another attempted failed false flag. You never know. I do find it interesting the name of the tanker. That would be the Central Park. It's very strange. Uh, and keep in mind, this seizure comes after a container ship, the CMA CGM Simi, which is owned by another Israeli billionaire, came under attack by a suspected Iranian drone in the Indian Ocean. Although Iran has not acknowledged carrying out the attack, the reports suggest or say it was Iran that did it. Um, and then, of course, recently on November 19th, Houthi rebels seized the Galaxy Leader commercial ship in the Red Sea and took its 25 crew members hostage. Wowza. This is starting to play out like some sort of big maritime battle. But what do you guys think? Hmm. Sounds like uh, very small skirmishes to me that are the same type that have been going on for quite a while, probably, considering what's been going on um, in Yemen. But uh, yeah, because this is an ongoing conflict here, uh, the Yemen, uh, the Houthi rebels there in, in Yemen, um, and have proven to be uh, somewhat formidable, more formidable than uh, many suspected. Uh, uh, you could ask Saudi Arabia about that. They've definitely suffered some uh, some losses to the Houthi rebels. But um, yeah, I don't know. This kind of does smack to me of uh, let's get the party started. You know, we've got swirling opportunities for, I don't want to call them false flags, but I will say there's a lot of opportunities for catalyzing events, uh, be they organic, uh, you know, sort of combat or uh, ginned up. And I find that, the reporting is difficult to 
gather enough facts um, to to really understand it. What do you think, Timothy? I am with you. I don't have enough information to arrive at a definitive conclusion. Did the Hootie Rebels just recently watch Captain Phillips over the weekend and and think, hey, if the Somalians can do it, we can do it too, right? Okay, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that it was actually the Houthis, and which leads me to the question where they got the ballistic missiles, who's arming them. Of course, we know it's Iran. And the third possibility you touched on, Brian, it could be some sort of false flag slash instigation slash agent provocateur, just like we saw at the Fed surrection. Maybe the Houthis are being given credit for something that it was someone else that did trying to, as you uh, so wonderfully put it, get this party started. We've already got people out there warning that we're on the brink of World War III and then going ahead and you know praising Hamas anyway. But when the mainstream media starts using the words like nuclear weapons and World War III in a positive sense, I think it's time for all of us to be very scared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Um, and what's with this uh, ballistic min- missiles landing? That was really uh, a mealy-mouthed sort of uh, uh, <laughs> way they worded it. They landed in the vicinity of or something like that. I mean, hey, okay, missiles so- were fired. Missiles were yeah. fired. Water was splashed, bygones, you know, yeah. I mean, come on, exactly. you're exactly right. Mealy mouth, that's, it's like their standard kind of apology, right? I'm so very sorry if my words offended anyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess you're right. Sort of, uh, uh, I am your captain now sort of thing going on here. Uh, right. We can get, we can get good memes out of it, I bet. But, uh, whew, well, all right. Uh, anything else on this one, Ruckus? There, there is one other thing because this is also this is affecting global shipping. So we all know the troubles that we we get into when um, the supply chain gets messed around with. I'll just leave you with that thought, gentlemen. Oh yes, oh I love that. I mean, we need all the possible excuses for supply chain interruptions that we can possibly manage at this point. I mean, Timothy. Uh, <laughs> Is there going to be a supply chain interruption on sandwiches because of this? I mean, we'll just believe anything about the supply chain due to many things like this. Exactly. You know, we need to fight Big Sandwich. Look, we are all these supply chain issues just highlight why the Democrat Party, traditionally the party of labor. In fact, their color red, their real color red is the color of the labor party around the world. They were big union forever why the Democrats are so opposed to bringing our manufacturing capability back on shore for having America sustainable again in our pharmaceuticals, in our food, in our manufactured goods. They don't want a strong America because it's not in the party's interest to have a strong America. They want us to be at everyone else's mercy so that they can come in with their quote unquote solutions. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, we can see this everywhere. We, we here in America, we can see this just at the pumps. We can see this. Just go to the grocery store, go to the pumps, go to 10 different states. If you have the time and the means and pump gas in all 10 different states and 
tell us what you think about supply chain interruptions. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ruckus. You're watching and listening to State of the Nation here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travelers from terrorists, hijackers, or violent drunks, or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. As the fighting is paused in, in the Gaza Strip, many are wondering what is happening to the hostages that are being exchanged? How are people being treated on both sides? Lots of concerns about this. Um, and the media flack makes it very difficult as narrative management seems to be the name of the game among the mass media cartel. Um, our next guest has some experience in the complexities involved here. He was 11 when the second Intifada erupted in year 2000 and the IDF took over his family farm in Gaza. Joining us now is the author of The Words of My Father, Yosef Bashir. Yosef, welcome to the program. Um, what are your thoughts as you watch the media outline these events we're witnessing after over six weeks in this conflict? I mean, this has been going on for um, a, quite a while now, and we're finally seeing a bit of a pause here in the fighting, if we can uh, believe everything that's being reported. What, what's your take on this? That ultimately diplomacy um, must uh, prevail. Uh, the, so much of what we're seeing over the past uh, few days uh, since Friday has been the result of relentless diplomatic efforts on the part of the United States, Qatar, Egypt, and the international community as a whole uh, since uh, October uh, 13, uh, just days after the October 7 attack uh, carried out by Hamas. You said it best, it's a war of the narratives uh, over the past uh, few days. Hamas has been diligently working to display that it's still in charge in Gaza. It has released hostages or prisoner or uh, captives uh, in multiple locations throughout uh, the Strip. Yesterday, most notably, was was uh, orchestrated in the heart of Gaza City in a place where just a few days ago, uh, IDF soldiers and Hamas fighters were engaged in relentless clashes. Um, Netanyahu was visiting the northern part of Gaza yesterday, 
and as a response, just a few hours uh, uh, after that visit, Hamas uh, released uh, its captives to the Red Cross in the heart of Gaza. Uh, today, reports out of Gaza uh, say that uh, Sinwar has actually met with uh, a number of the captives held in Gaza uh, because Hamas is working very hard to not only communicate uh, with the Israeli government, but it's also working even harder to communicate with the uh, families uh, of the Israeli captives who have been uh, demonstrating and protesting nonstop since uh, uh, October 7. Uh, so a lot of uh, dynamics the, and Hamas uh, seems to be uh, dis showing the world what calm can uh, lead to. Uh, families, smiles, not to mention uh, Palestinian uh, 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 children and women are being released, celebrations among their families and neighbors and friends in the West Bank. Hamas has been uh, scoring big uh, uh, to communicate its messages to the United States, to the Israeli public, and most importantly to the Palestinian public that we are still here and we are in charge and we are still uh, 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 negotiating with Israel and outside powers. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so what do you think is um, like if I was to ask you, what does Hamas want? Just to zoom way back out here, like at this point, do do we have any information? Are they looking for an extended ceasefire? Do they want a stop to violence? And then on the flip side of that, what does it look like the IDF wants uh, moving forward once this phase is complete? Well, the IDF hasn't been shy about what it wants. It wants to continue its uh, assault on the Gaza Strip as a whole. It wants to move down south. Uh, and, you know, uh, in, this, in, in spite of so many warnings against that, uh, given uh, by uh, international players, including the United States, uh, the complexities it will face, given that uh, 1.7 displaced people from the north are in the south, not to mention the already people, the people are, who live there already. Uh, so it's going to be a complicated situation from uh, a military perspective uh, for the IDF, but the IDF has been uh, very vocal about what it wants to do uh, military-wise. It also wants to uh, uh, return all of the captives in Gaza. So not only eliminating Hamas, but also eliminate, uh, bringing home uh, the, the Israeli captives uh, uh, held in Gaza. What Hamas wants is uh, they've spoken today, um, I think, uh, from, from the get-go of this war. They've uh, expressed uh, via Qatar and Egypt to Israel and the United States that they uh, are willing to cooperate in order to reach uh, a ceasefire. Uh, obviously, that even happened before the Israeli incursion uh, was carried out. Uh, we saw reports that the United States even asked uh, Israel if it could delay uh, that operation. Um, Hamas today stated and all of the public platforms that usually communicates its messages uh, to Al Jazeera, other Arab uh, outlets, uh, that it's looking to uh, reach a, a long-term ceasefire. And this will not be the first ceasefire negotiation that have ever been held uh, between Israel and Hamas. I would say the, the, the two are very experienced on how to deal with one another, especially when it comes to ceasefires. We've seen the last, the last one was in 2021, um, and we've seen uh, a number of them before. The last uh, prisoner exchange 
deal that was done was in 2006 when Gilad Shalit was released in exchange for a thousand uh, Palestinian prisoners. And this is the ultimate goal that Hamas really rallies its public around. And that is, we are going to do everything we can in order to empty all of the Israeli prisons from Palestinian prisoners, especially those who are held under what is so, uh, the, the, uh, the so-called administrative detention uh, by the Israeli authorities. That's going to require time, a lot of talks and back and forth between mediators. Uh, but given the nature of the amount of people Hamas has this time, I think that Israel it will be compelled uh, to, to uh, explore this further, along with the United States and other actors that also are desperately looking to calm uh, and ease the tensions right now in order to make sure that this does not uh, uh, snowball into something larger than everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's a big concern. I mean, Timothy, are you hearing stuff about this, about the, the concerns of a larger conflict breaking out? I mean, what, what do you think, Timothy? Well, I find it interesting that he talks about the IDF incursion into Gaza, but fails to mention the <laughs> Hamas's incursion into southern Israel, taking hostages, killing thousands. These aren't prisoners of war. There isn't a war between Hamas and Israel. This was a terrorist attack, much like the Japanese ambushed us at Pearl Harbor on December 7th. This was an ambush in which men, women, and children especially were targeted, killed, raped. We just had a man suspected of being a collaborator with Israel have both his legs cut off and, and raised from a lamppost last night. You know, to lay all this at Israel's feet, it beggars disbelief. Well, I, I'm not sure, Yosef, uh, I'll let you respond to that. Um, uh, if I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're saying, but I'm curious to hear your response to that. But if you could just hold the thought for a moment here, we have a headline, brief headline we're going to take with the network. We'll come back and we'll take your response. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. What brings you here? News. News entirely. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel hosted Elon Musk on Monday, saying it had reached an agreement in principle for using a SpaceX company's Starlink communications in the Gaza Strip, where a pause to the war against Hamas terrorists coincided with the tech entrepreneur's visit. China's top health body urged hospitals nationwide to extend service hours and set up more clinics, as the recent increase in respiratory illnesses drew global concerns. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah, 24-7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk. This is TNT Radio. All right. The author of The Words of My Father joins us, Yosef Bashir. Yosef, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, a lot of people in America are pretty uh, all over the world, you know, that uh, are pretty upset about the what events of October 7. Uh, what, what do you, what's your response to that? 
Well, I did uh, reference the October 7 attacks. Uh, I look at this from an analytical perspective, even though I have so much personal stake at this. I was shot by an Israeli soldier for no reason in front of my family, in front of the United Nations officers, all Americans. Um, I saw my house being occupied by the Israeli army my dad being shot at, my family intimidated, not to mention everything that was happening in the broader sense. Uh, but nevertheless, I do think that violence is not the right path for either side. But the, the idea that there was no war between Israel and Hamas is just not realistic, given their history uh, at, in conflict since Hamas won the election and the Israeli blockade that uh, was enacted after that. It isn't about the, the history is that Hamas attacks and Israel responds. If Hamas didn't attack, there'd be no problem. Well, there will still be an occupation on a 2.1 million residents in Gaza. There will still be difficulty of, of traveling. I certainly can speak from a personal experience. I haven't been able to travel and visit my family in central Gaza uh, for many, many years. Uh, I'm talking 17 years, and I'm not a member of Hamas. I'm not a member of the PLO. I'm just a Palestinian uh, uh, a civilian with family living. In, however, it is Israel treats me the same way as it would treat members of Hamas. So we're talking of a conflict, a Palestinian conflict that's been ongoing for a very, very, very long time and without any uh, successful attempts to bring it to uh, a reasonable and a realistic end that could satisfy both but you sides. Don't, but you don't want a reasonable and realistic end. They've denied negotiations for a two-state solution every single time that they've been offered, right? The First, the no. PLO, and now Hamas has denied the negotiations for a two-state solution. You have no. 1.5 to 1.9 million Arab citizens in Israel. They're the only Arabs in the Middle East that have democratic rights. The no. Hamas attacks could, could uh, harm those children just as well. No. So we, you, you're laying a lot of uh, points, and I, I don't know if this is the point of, of this interview is us going back and forth, but I'm okay with that too. The 1.8 million uh, uh, Israeli uh, Arabs in, in, in Israel, if you look at the polls, they are not quite satisfied with the treatment they get uh, from the Israeli government. The funding, uh, uh, the police services, the crime this year alone has claimed more Arab Israelis than uh, they, we've seen in, in, in recent uh, memory. Uh, why? Because of the lack of police servicing, uh, uh, rise of crime during COVID, uh, very little funding to their areas as in comparison to Jewish neighborhoods. So I would I would leave that out because it isn't a happy story altogether there. Yes, they can vote and they have rights, etc., etc., but they are not treated the same way as the Jewish uh, citizens of the state of Israel. So that's another topic. We'll go back to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Hamas, PLO, uh, and the Palestinian ordeal, the, the uh, a never-ending humanitarian crisis that only seems to be exacerbated within this trip. This is, uh, it's not only, we cannot only blame it on uh, the existence of Hamas, because much of the, this occupation has existed long before the establishment of of, uh, Hamas, which was in 1987. Yosef, um, if you could maybe, it might help here if you could take us back to your experience in, in year 2000. Can, can you sort of like outline what happened to you, just your personal experience? We've got about five minutes left, but if maybe, maybe you could throw some context our way and talk a little bit about what you write about in your book, The Words of My Father. 
Well, I appreciate that. I, I, my, basically, I'm a native of Gaza. My family goes back all the way to the Ottoman era, the beginning of that, and if not earlier. Uh, so my, my father, especially my father, my family have uh, uh, deep roots uh, within Gaza. Uh, growing up, I was born in 1989 uh, next to an Israeli settlement, former Israeli settlement by the name of Kfar Rome. Uh, fast forward all the way to the second and the father of 2000, the soldiers came uh, after shooting relentlessly at the house, asked my dad to flee, uh, to which he rejected. I'm a peaceful man, a peaceful neighbor. I shouldn't be asked to uh, evacuate. He was also concerned that he will never see his home again, and he will have to be forced to explain to his children why they turned uh, refugees. Uh, so he refused to leave. The soldiers in turn came and took over the second floor, third floor, and throughout from 2000 all the way until 2005, the Israeli withdrawal would happen then. Uh, the soldiers never ceased bothering my dad, harassing my mom uh, and uh, in, attempt, uh, in attempts to uh, push us out of the house. The press were all over the house by day. The soldiers at night would move the entire family to sleep uh, in the living room. The whole premise of the book is that I am clashing with my dad, really, not with the soldiers, because here they are controlling my every move in my own house. I had to ask for permission to go to the bathroom and come home late from a soccer uh, match. Uh, but my dad would point to them and say, we are all together the children of Abraham, and we shouldn't allow the actions of the others determine what kind of human beings we are going to uh, live the rest of our lives. He believed uh, deeply in the idea of peace and coexistence, coexistence between Arabs, Jews, Muslims, and Christians, uh, Israelis, and Palestinians, because he's convinced as a true native of the Holy Land that this is the only uh, way forward. He was tested and his resolve would be tested when one of the Israeli soldiers point blank in front of him and three Americans uh, from the United Nations, as I indicated earlier, shot me in the spine with an M16 bullet. Now, my entire life, the only good representative on behalf of the world of Israel was my dad. He told me that they are humans no matter what they do to us. And I was only introduced to the idea of Israel through the soldiers and through the settlers. Neither one were peaceful towards me or my family or my people. But now I am in a wheelchair with an M16 bullet in my spine, but surrounded by Israeli doctors and nurses in Tel Aviv. It was my first time when I saw the human face that my dad was trying to uh, uh, communicate to me and my siblings. And ultimately, after a year and a half, they would teach me how to walk. I still have the bullet in my back. It serves as a, as a reminder of why what I do is so crucial and so important. But it brought me closer to my dad's uh, ideas of peace with the neighbors and with the world, uh, despite the ongoing occupation, lack of freedom, lack of opportunities. I mean, I can go on and on and on how difficult it is for young people, especially to go about their business uh, in, in Gaza Strip. Ultimately, the Israeli soldiers would leave. My dad, for the first time in, since 2000, would sprint and run upstairs and tell all of us, I told you I would get the house back. He did not pick up guns. He did not incite. He didn't take sides. He only believed in peace. He did pray a heavy price, but we still have the house to this day. And by the way, to this day, my home is sheltering 40 people from the north. My mom and my brother are helping them uh, find uh, a home until this is over. So I am just so glad, and I'm sure everybody else is, that my dad uh, stayed his ground, believed in peace, protected his home, and most importantly, protected my humanity and the humanity of my, uh, my siblings. Uh, and ultimately, here we are contributing, hopefully one day, to a better world for all of us.
Well, Youssef, your father was clearly an honorable man. And speaking for myself, I'm glad that you are uh, walking again. And no 11-year-old boy should be shot by a soldier, uh, you know, absent, you know, an attack or something like that. So I I'm glad that you are have regained uh, some measure of health. Thank you, sir. So um, what do you think is going to happen next? Uh, is the ceasefire going to end? I mean, and are are people like you able to communicate with the families over there? Uh, what kind of uh, communication do you have left? We got about a minute or two left. Go ahead and, and let us know. Well, we're talking about three-hour uh, phone services, internet, and what whatever uh, comes with that. Uh, I think they t just confirmed that there will be two additional days uh, for this truce. And already I'm seeing reports and experts talk about uh, uh, an effort uh, by the United States, European Union, Spain, Belgium, Egypt, uh, even Saudi Arabia, and uh, trying to uh, reach a, a long-term uh, ceasefire, if not an indefinite one. Uh, so I think that that's uh, uh, something to look out for. In terms of the people in Gaza, the uh, situation is still uh, the same for them. They are catching their breaths over the past few days to resupply on gas, fuel, even though it is still very, very, very hard to get. But those who are able to get it, uh, that means uh, 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 more days of survival for them. I haven't been able to uh, successfully speak to my family today. I tried, I've been trying every morning. Uh, every two days I get a, someone will pick up uh, and it's on and off today, no one picked up and I know that they haven't received my text messages. So that's the situation. Uh, it is scary for the civilians, but however, uh, they are all appreciative of the fact that they can uh, take a break, catch their breath, hopefully resupply uh, in case this if this is of their faith is more war in two days then hopefully they uh, uh, will survive that uh, if it's a truce then that means more life and more uh, uh, calmness uh, throughout the the uh, ordinary people in, in Gaza most of them have suffered uh, the from the uh, uh, airstrikes uh, and for them even to go get food while airstrikes are happening, that was really difficult. So you can't get food if there's an airplane striking everywhere above your head. Uh, so that's really crucial from a, a humanitarian perspective to allow people to resupply, uh, uh, change locations, find another home, another family to shelter with uh, until we see hopefully what, what will happen in the next 48 hours. I hope it will be a ceasefire uh, just to save lives uh, on both sides. Then the, the Diplomats and politicians can take it from there. Yes, ceasefire would be uh, great. This has been very violent. Um, okay, again, the book is The Words of My Father uh, by Yosef Bashir. Yosef, thank you for joining Timothy and I here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk. We really appreciate your perspective, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you again real soon. Best of luck, and uh, thank you. Thank you Yosef, so much. Shakrun, and Salam. Thank you so much. Likewise. Excellent. Excellent. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like 
week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and, uh, you know, to protest climate. But she was all bundled up and I was like, well, wait a minute. Looks awfully cold over there. And uh, were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on? But I want to get serious about this. The fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 and they went into the deep freeze over there. But it's a serious situation. You know why? Well, first of all, the implications of that is that the United States is going to get very cold. Now, it's cold right now, but I'm talking about what could be really cold weather, severe cold, in the month of January. Because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the United States during the month of December, especially after the 20th. So what we saw in 2009, 2010 was Europe got it in 2009 in December. And then the U.S. had their famous Snowmageddon. And that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now. And especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather. The most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, I don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do. Yeah, okay. this is helping. The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do. When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. Yes, TNT Radio. I'm Brian McLean. I'm joined by Timothy Shea sitting in for Steve Hook today while Steve Hook is out on assignment. And uh, there's breaking news right now, uh, reading from our colleague Joe Hoff's website, material errors embedded in Georgia's 2020 election recount efforts in Fulton County. The Secretary of State and his team initially lied about these errors, and then they worked with the AG's office and the State Elections Board to exonerate the Secretary of State. Now, this is a pretty concerning uh, lead-in right here because it does fit into some of the tactics, techniques, and procedures that we've uh, had hints and evidence of that have not been looked at in courtrooms in places like Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, and other places. And joining us now to discuss is um, Trump personal spokesperson and former Republican National Committee official Liz Harrington. Liz, thank you for joining Timothy and I today. Um, this is um, not surprising to see, but at the same time, it's sort of uh, surprising to see that it's actually getting looked at still. And maybe with the, is there going to be some teeth in this? How does this affect President Trump moving forward? 
Well, hey guys, thanks for having me. I think it definitely affects him going forward because they arrested him <laughs> for saying that this kind of thing was happening. And of course they say this was a lie that you couldn't question the election results in particular in Fulton County because this is where uh, they brought charges, these fraudulent charges against President Trump and many others. Um, this county alone has so many problems with the 2020 election that as you just kind of introed into this, they have acknowledged, they've admitted it. So they didn't say what the actual vote count was for just, again, this is one subset, this is one error, uh, one issue dealing with the absentee ballots in Fulton County. So that's only 148,000 votes. They found 4,081 false votes for Joe Biden netted. And the governor's office, didn't find anything wrong with these uh, this accounting. The Secretary of State's office didn't find anything wrong with this accounting, but they refused to say what the actual total number of votes was. That alone, and they didn't look at the rest of the votes. This, this Joseph Rossi was the one who, he was a uh, former, uh, just a private in, individual, uh, former chemical engineer, and looked at this and looked at the public records of the hand recount and found all of these errors on his own. There are 36 inconsistencies, duplicate ballots counted, and a net 4,081 votes for Joe Biden, which is over a third of the entire election margin. And the state election board entered into a consent decree acknowledging that this happened, but they refused to say how many votes were affected. And the secretary of state's office refuses to uh, update the results. The results have changed. Uh, they were never what they said they were. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. I mean, this is one of many, many things that was wrong with not just the election, but both recounts. And I, I mean, we, we have to demand change. Uh, and we're going to be able to use this and many other pieces of evidence in the case they brought against President Trump. And hopefully it results in a real change in how Georgia is running its elections because this has not been corrected. They gave Fulton County a slap on the wrist. They entered a consent decree. They said, oh, just, just enter in some more training <laughs> and don't do it again. And yet we just had an election and guess what? Fulton County had a recount and the numbers didn't match again. So this is not acceptable for a first world nation, which <laughs> America, no longer is, unfortunately, under Joe Biden and this regime. But if we're going to correct it, and if we're going to fix this, it's going to start with these elections and Georgia is a good place to start. It has to, Liz. I said years ago, I called them off the top of my head, I called them commiecrats and said, they hate you, they hate me, they hate America. They want this country to fail. Without borders, without secure borders and secure elections, you do not have a country. And that's exactly what the Democrats want. They didn't just cheat in 2020, they cheated in 2016. They thought they had it in the bag, but we broke their algorithm. So they ramped it up for 2020. Patrick Byrne has had all the different ways that they've cheated for two years now. Because it wasn't just one way, as you mentioned. It wasn't just with the absentee ballots. It wasn't just with the machines going haywire. It wasn't just with the uh, mail-in ballots that had never been folded and placed into an envelope. And it's not just Georgia. They just discovered thousands of uncounted Republican provisional ballots in Arizona 
from 2022. It looks like Abe Hamada is the properly elected Attorney General of Arizona. And it's not just the five states of Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. It's across the country. We've had problems in Maine. We've had problems in New Hampshire. We know there's problems in California and even in Hawaii. This is a coast to coast and then some problem. And you're absolutely right. Until we fix this, we can't go forward as a nation. Well, well, exactly. I mean, how do we change anything if our votes don't count? It just matters who counts them. I mean, that's what President Trump is saying all the time. I'm not worried about, you know, generating the enthusiasm and getting people to the polls. I'm worried about who's counting the ballots. And it's very obvious. You're so right, Timothy. I mean, this is a coast to coast problem. Every single state it's just a lot of these states people don't pay attention to because, oh, well, that's just a Republican state or, oh, that's just a Democrat state. It doesn't matter. It's really the establishment against the people. It's the uniparty against the people. And these elections are being rigged <laughs> wherever, wherever people can get away with it. And sadly, I think we've kind of let this happen. We've kind of ceded away our votes, we, our responsibility, our oversight of the process. They basically cut the average American out of the system and said, no, just trust us. Uh, you don't understand the system. You know, you, you're a conspiracy theorist if you question the system. And we know all of that is nonsense. And so we have to just get involved at the local level everywhere we can. But one thing, I think what you said, you know, they were, they thought they had it bag in the bag in 2016 and they were wrong. They also were wrong in 2020 and thank God that they were because that's how we were able to really see how fraudulent our elections were. Otherwise we wouldn't have known, you know, it just seems normal, right? These elections, uh, it just, the outcome is the outcome and you can't really question it because it looks legit. After 2020, we have a real opportunity to say, we know this isn't legit. We know this is not right. And so we can, Another thing that they're counting on is, or maybe not counting on, is their overreach with these indictments. They're the ones that are bringing up 2020 by arresting the people who objected to the rigging. And so now we have an opportunity to put this evidence in court, to get it out far and wide. And this is why it's great with the Gateway Pundit uh, getting real traction on this story and others. Uh, it's giving uh, evidence directly into the hands of the people, and we can use that to make some real change. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important right now because, you know, this this looks like, as you said, you know, this is like a subsection basically of one area and one style of vote uh, disintegrity. And and we, we have a hybrid system that we're dealing with here, and it involves secretaries of state county recorders, DAs, judges, uh, poll watchers, uh, and, and that these allow these sort of things to happen, the mail-in scams, the drop-in rolls that uh, Gateway's been so good at covering, the ballot harvesting, uh, and, and just the, the fake ballots, the, the floods, the, the paper doesn't fit right. I mean, they, they, we're, we've seen just about every form of uh, hybrid vote warfare that you could possibly imagine, and they've all been documented to some extent. And the problem seems to be getting past those firewalls that I mentioned there, the Secretary of State, County Recorders, DAs, judges, all these activists in 
uh, legal and political positions where they can do lawfare and counter lawfare. The counter lawfare seems to be the really big one uh, because we're getting people going and saying, you know, hey, we, we want an injunction. We want this looked at. And then you've got all these judges saying, oh, we don't have it. We haven't seen any evidence of it. Well, duh, you haven't seen any evidence of it because you're an activist and so's the DA and so's the county recorder, so's the secretary of state. So no, everyone's just gaslighting the public that these things aren't happening. Right. And another thing that they came up with is a gas leak in Kentucky. I mean, that was a new oh, one. Yes. <laughs> it seems like every election now there's, you know, some new absurd excuse to you know clear the rooms and everything else it's just it's so sad too because it, americans are just losing faith in the system and we cannot let that happen because a real one defense is our vote and we are responsible for our votes and even though it seems kind of like you just laid it out you know the courts the secretary of states the clerks all these things are stacked against us but we have to do what's right. We have to do our part and overwhelm them when we can and, and try to change the system once and for all and get President Trump back in the White House where he belongs. I mean, this country we, is being destroyed and we cannot let it happen. We absolutely can. At MAGA Institute, we say now is not the time to throw up your hands in frustration. Now is the time to roll up your sleeves, get to work. We encourage people to get active locally. And that's the only way we're going to take this back. I want to jump in the Wayback Machine with you for a minute and, and go back to June 15th of 2021 when President Trump named you his spokeswoman. In two paragraphs, they refer to the fact that uh, your appointment suggests that Mr. Trump is going to keep spreading the thoroughly discredited idea that the 2020 <laughs> election was rigged. And then in the next paragraph, uh, it's got the president saying Liz Harrington is a fighter, which you are and which we love. She was an important part of our receiving more votes than any incumbent president in U.S. history, far more than we received the first time that we won. He added, referencing the false claim that he won the 2020 presidential <laughs> election as well. So it, 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 there's got to be some personal satisfaction. I know I feel it every time these new revelations come out that proves that what we've been saying all along is true. Look, if he lost the election, that's fine. If that's the will of the people, that's great. But until we have elections that we can count on the victor actually won, whether that's Democrat, Republican, Green Party, or, or Libertarian Party, I don't care who wins as long as it's the expression of the will of the people. And until we have that, I don't see any solution to the left versus right controversy we've got going on in this country, the polarity. Well, exactly. I mean, how can we, and, and that's the thing that they've kind of put us in these boxes for so long and we got used to it. And, you know, I was a part of it too. I mean, just thinking that, oh, you know, we're on the right side, it's Republican, it's good, and just bash the Democrats. And then you realize what President Trump exposed was all oh, these people were frauds. They don't actually believe in what they said they believe. They're just part yeah. of one system and we're not in it. And they're protecting that system with everything they have because they know it's so corrupt. And if someone like President Trump gets in there, it's over for them. So it's so important that President Trump has exposed all of that. I love what you just read. It's so funny. Just a few months back, I got a news inquiry from the Washington Post and they you know, asked me, hey, can you respond? You know, no big deal, like trying to be all nice. And what I'm supposed to respond to is, 
you know, Liz Harrington, who dabbles in conspiracy thinking, you know, conspiratorial thinking. And I was like, hmm, the Washington Post, who literally for three years or longer than that, said that Russia stole the 2016 election. Who dabbles in conspiracy theories? I mean, it's uh -huh. just a joke. And so you have to throw it right back in their face. It's it's so astounding. But absolutely, there's satisfaction when more and more stuff is coming out. And there's going to be more. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's another complaint. You have the 4,081 false votes for Biden in the first complaint. There's a second complaint that's also been vetted, validated. They were 17,000 votes short in the second machine recount in Fulton County, Georgia. And then when they reconciled the results, there were almost 21,000 votes that were unsubstantiated. Of Those course. Votes, of course. <laughs> and of course, 75% swing for Joe Biden. When you take those false votes, which is almost 14,000, plus the 4,000, it's more than, that's the election right there. And it is, know, Liz, we got to cut it right off there. More than that. Thank you so much for coming on State of the Nation on TNT Radio.